Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go back to Romans. Romans, the fourth chapter. We're going to read once again the first eight verses. We, we looked at these verses, I guess it's been almost a month ago now, when uh, we preached the sermon and used these verses. And, and really, we, we got down through, we talked about Abraham, and, and we just talked a little bit about David. And, and just some of the thoughts in those last three verses just keep, kept speaking to me. And I just want to share some of those thoughts uh, this morning and, and give just a quick review uh, of, of Romans up to this point as we get to those verses in talking of David and being blessed. And being blessed. So let's read this morning Romans 4, 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Or what does the Scriptures say? See, don't you love that? I love that. I love that. What does the Scriptures say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness or the blessings of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word, and and as already been said, uh, speak to us, Father. Just by the moving of your Holy Spirit, by the truth of your word, give each and every one here ears to hear your truth. And Lord, everyone is in a different place in their sanctification. Everyone is in a different place in regards to circumstances of life they may be facing. So Lord, I pray, minister a particular sermon to each one this morning. That we may all leave this place being revived of heart according to your word. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let's, let's keep in mind, just, just to reflect for just a moment, that, that since Romans 1 verse 18, up until all that we've been looking at so far, the Apostle Paul has been presenting the truth that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's, that's what he's been talking about all through this up until about midway the latter part of chapter 3. Both Jew and Gentile, apart from receiving by faith the gospel of Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile are sinful and under the wrath of God. That's what Paul has been laying out and been laying out. They're under the wrath of God and under the condemnation of God. There is no partiality. 
Doesn't matter, Jew. Doesn't matter, Greek. Doesn't matter, Gentile. No partiality. Every mouth stopped. All the world guilty before God. And this declaration allows no exemptions. None. None. Every unbelieving person, whether Jew or Gentile, is under the law, and all the world is guilty before Him. There is no salvation. There is no justification provided by the law. There it is. And someone may, may say, but preacher, that's, that's bad news. Well, it is. It, it, it is. It, it, it is bad news for the unbeliever. And they may say, but, but, but preacher, where, where's, where do I find hope? Where's the good news? How can I one day stand before this God justified? Well, Romans 3, verse 21 and 22. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And we talked about this a little bit as we sang some of the songs this morning. How was it revealed? How was it made manifest on the earth? Through Christ. Through Christ. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. In other words, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll say that over in Romans 10. There's the good news. How are we justified? Through faith and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone, not of works. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, we read that so often, you know those verses. And remember, this was difficult for the practicing Jew of that day to hear. Because they had been taught. They had been taught to be law keepers. They had been taught that it was their works by which they gained or earned justification before God. We talked about this in our Friday night study in, in regard to the false religions of this world. It's all about them doing to earn or gain salvation. Can't be done. You, you could spend a hundred years as a hermit or a monk in the mountains praying to your, your God and, and meditating and doing all these things and it would have no effect apart from the grace of God and the truth of God's Word. It means nothing. It is Christ and Christ alone. Paul says this. This was just the, the verse 5. Romans 4, verse 5. Look at this. But to him who does not work, and I want to pause there just for a minute because I don't think I've addressed that in, in particular, because if you just read that, but to him who does not work, oh, so I don't need to work. I don't need a job. I, I don't, uh, don't, don't go there. That's not what he's talking about. What's he been talking about? Those who are trying to work their way to heaven. 
That's what he's been talking about, a works righteousness. So don't try to make that say something it's not. It's talking about those trying to earn their way to heaven. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted, and that's uh, the, the word that could be reckoned, imputed, credited, it is an accounting term. His faith is accounted for righteousness. God justifies the ungodly. And I've asked the question many times here, well, how can that be? How could a just God justify the ungodly? That He can't do that. They are guilty. How can He just let them go free? Well, he doesn't let them go free. There is a cost. Hey, let, let's go. Paul, Paul really gives the answer. I believe we read this probably a month ago in chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Romans 5, 6 through 9. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, now having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. See, there's the good news. There's the good news. You want good news? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being justified by His blood. The love of God shown through the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. We sang about it this morning. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. The love of God. Jesus took upon Himself our sin to pay the penalty that I should have paid, to pay it in full for sin for all who would believe. See, there's the good news. And there is reason for rejoicing. Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for sinners. That's why He came. That's why He came. Luke 5.32 You know this. This is Jesus. This is what He said. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, and I hope you grasp all of what he's saying there. Who is he talking to? The Pharisees. The scribes who thought they were righteous. You understand. In their mind, they didn't need a Savior. This is the same thing that the Apostle Paul was coming up against. Well, Paul, we don't need your justification by faith. Because we have Abraham. Abraham's our father. Uh, God gave us the oracles, Abraham. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. We have all these things. He gave us the sign of the covenant in circumcision. We don't need this. We're righteous on our own. You, you, do you see what Jesus was saying here? I have not come to call the righteous. He is talking self-righteous. That's what he's talking about here. It's a picture of the self-righteous Pharisee and the humble tax collector. That's what you get a picture of here. 
Luke 18. Let's go a little further in Luke. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Also he, Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So you may pause there. See, that's what he was talking about. I didn't come, I didn't come uh, to call the righteous the self-righteous, but to call those who view themselves as sinners that knows they are sinners in need of a Savior. He also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. And I can almost hear the the contempt in the voice as this would have been said by someone. And he goes on, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I did not come to call the righteous. They have no need of a physician. But sinners to repentance. John MacArthur wrote this. Let let me quote John MacArthur. The truth is that God cannot save those who refuse to see themselves as sinners. The truth is that God cannot save those who refuse to see themselves as sinners, who ignore, gloss over, or trivialize their sin. Only those who understand by the grace of God and the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that they are the poor, prisoners, blind and oppressed, headed for a Christless, godless eternity in hell, and trust in Christ's work on the cross as payment in full for their sins can be saved. Again, this is what Paul was up against. We don't need your justification by faith, Paul. Let me continue this quote. The scribes and Pharisees had badly misunderstood God's purpose in giving the law. God did not give the law as a means of achieving self-righteousness, but rather to provoke self-condemnation, awareness of sin, conviction, repentance, and pleading to God for mercy. The law is our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. End quote. And I thought, said so well. The law is our tutor. Paul said, how would I have known thou shalt not covet if if the law hadn't told me? How would I know thou shalt not steal if the law, the command, did not say thou shalt not steal? It's the tutor to convict us, to show us that we are a sinner. Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus came to save sinners And Paul knew that. 
perhaps above others, and it was always, I would say, there in the back of his mind in being grateful for what the Lord had done to him because Paul said this of himself in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. See, Paul on the Damascus Road we talked about came to know Christ in a very personal way and came to recognize that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus came that he might die in our place to take upon himself the wrath of God that we deserved. The Son of God died in my place. God lays our sins on Christ, and Christ takes the punishment for them. In Christ's obedient death, God's holiness and justice is vindicated, and the righteousness of Christ is imputed, is given to us. Our sin on Jesus, His righteousness imputed to us. And I believe even last week, I made the reference of I heard I heard that called the great exchange and I didn't know where I had heard it. I said it sounded like a Piper phrase and I went and looked and indeed it is. Um, uh, this it, here's a quote from a John Piper sermon that I read. Quote: To be in Christ is to be in God's righteousness. The gospel is the good news that our sins are laid on Christ and His righteousness is laid on us. The great exchange. The great imputation of our sin to Christ and God's righteousness to us called justification. End quote. Justification, righteousness imputed through faith in Jesus Christ. Now we read... This morning as we sang that song, Knowing You, I, I read some of these verses. I want to read them again so it will be in, in the sermon part. In Philippians 3, verses nine or 7 through 9. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul and him talking about that time when he was that Pharisee and all the things he took pride in, all of his status, all of his learning, all of those things. And what did he say? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness by the righteousness which is from God by faith. And it's the same message, the same message that he's here in Romans that he keeps talking about over and over and over and over again. It's not our own righteousness. It's not of works that we can earn. But it's through Christ. Through Christ. Uh, in First Peter, in talking of Jesus, it, it reads here in 1 Peter 2, verses 22 through 24. Who committed no sin, this is talking of Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. 
who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, that righteousness which is imputed to us, by whose stripes you are healed. And again, anytime I read that, don't take that verse where it's not intended to go. It's not talking about physical healing there. Can God the Father do physical healing? Well, of course He can. Yes, He can. But this is talking about a healing of our spiritual, our soul. A healing from our condition of sin. That's what this is talking about. That's what all of that is talking about. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 21. Now all things are of God. And, and, and just know, this is the Apostle Paul saying all this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. That's reconciliation. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, and listen to this, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for He... For God made Him, Jesus Christ His Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us. Put yourself in a verse. To be sin for me. That we, that I, might become the righteousness of God in Him. Christ died for the ungodly. We are justified by His blood. And Paul says to believe on Him who justifies the ungodly. So again, we, we talked about Abraham in that sermon about a month ago. And I believe that the key in that verse and talk of Abraham would have been verse 3 if we have that just verse 3 by itself. For what the Scriptures say, and you could go back in the Old Testament, and we did that in that sermon back then, and we read from the Old Testament to, to bring this to light. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And back then, I, I know I brought up that Paul is a great orator in knowing his audience. And the Apostle Paul brings up Abraham and David. Possibly the two biggest of the Jewish faith. And why two? I believe I believe he did that to to follow the the law that was given was back in Deuteronomy I believe it was where it says take two or three witnesses I've forgotten now just how how it read if you're going to bring a case have two or three witnesses it's something to that effect and, and so here the apostle Paul does that he has two witnesses from the Old Testament. Two witnesses 
to, to which these people had high regard for. And here you go. This is, I'm pleading my case for justification by faith, and I'm using Abraham and David as my witness. They had nothing to argue. How could they come against that? You see, he is, he is building his case. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have Paul for your lawyer if you ever needed a lawyer? He, he's, he's great. So let, let's read that Romans 4, verses 6 through 8 one more time. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Just as David also describes the blessedness, in the ESV, if you have the ESV, it says describes the blessings of the man. Well, what blessings? Imputed righteousness apart from works, lawless deeds forgiven, sins covered, the Lord shall not impute sin to me. Blessings. And that... Echoes of what we read earlier uh, from Corinthians where uh, it said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Blessed. Child of God, what a blessing. And, and that's what I wanted to be a core of what we were looking at today. Blessed here in Romans is, is from the Greek. It, makarios is the Greek word. And it means to be supremely blessed. To be deeply secure and content in God. And I would add to that, content always, regardless of circumstance. Jesus used the same word, or it is is translated uh, the same in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. This is the Beatitudes, you know these. Blessed, it's that same word. Blessed are you. When, well, when what? When they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Some may read that and in their mind they're thinking, what? What? Blessed? Blessed when I'm persecuted? Blessed when people speak evil of me and tell lies about me for Christ's sake? Blessed? Yes. Yes. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Because, child of God, great is your reward in heaven. See, that's what we need to always have in our mind of where Christ has brought us and the reward that we have awaiting us. And I believe we need to understand this, that when Paul is saying blessed in Romans 4, I believe he is not saying and meaning untroubled are you. I don't mean he's saying healthy are you. I don't believe he's saying prosperous are you. All these things can be. But that's not where our hope lies. 
I believe what he means when he says blessings and blessed, blessed. It's this. Now listen, listen, listen. I believe he's saying this. He is saying between you and God, all is well. That's blessed. We sang the old hymn, it is well this morning. That's to be at that spot where I can say, it is well. It is well. That's blessing. So as born again believers, may we at all times, even in the midst of various trials and circumstances, be steadfast in our faith, secure and content in the Lord, even though we may be weeping over loss, we may be weeping over heartbreak, we may be weeping over pain that's in our body, may we at all times hold fast to the good news. Our sins are covered. And in light of that glorious truth, may we rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for we are blessed. See that that would always be in the background of our thoughts. That we are blessed. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Here's some verses just to kind of go along with this, these thoughts. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. See, you got to keep coming back to where's our hope? Where's our hope? Where's my hope? For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes. When the trial comes, when the tribulation comes, when the persecution comes. We'll not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. Still trusting the Lord, still holding on to Him. We, we glow with a radiance in trusting Him. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. You see, may our faith, may my faith, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, may my faith be so well grounded that it will be unshakable and unwavering regardless of what may happen. You see, Proverbs 3, 5-8, through 8, you know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now let me pause there for a minute. Because if we get wrapped up in ourselves and let our mind take off on us, it's going to take us into scenarios and situations that, that will never come. And we'll get that. You know, that's that, that's when that happens. You know, I preached a sermon said we got to start Stop talking to ourselves and start preaching to ourselves. See, when that happens, when we start leaning on our own understanding and things are going off the rails because we're going down a path we shouldn't go, stop talking to yourself. Start preaching the Word to yourself. What does the Scripture say? So always keep coming back to that. What does the Scripture say? Well, Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all my heart and, and not to lean on my own understanding. That's what it says. And I'm going, to, I'm going to put it to the first person here. In all my ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct my path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I do know this in regards to, to the 
to health and all that kind of things, what will worry and anxiety and all of that do to our bodies? What does it cause? Stress. It is proven. Stress hurts the body. It's proven. Stress can cause ulcers. Can, can cause sleepless nights. Can cause a multitude of things. But trust the Lord and the peace. Well, that's that's the next. Trust the Lord, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I got ahead of myself. Let's go to Philippians four verses five through six. Is this going to give us a great thing here? This is Paul. It says, "Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand." Oh, there's a good one. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we keep coming back to that. When our mind starts to go wild, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Trust the Lord. Make your requests known. Pray. Make your requests known to the Lord. And then rest in peace. Because He's going to answer as He deems best. And isn't that what we want? Doesn't, don't, don't we want what is, the Lord wants for our life? And so we pray, we make our, rest, our, our, our request known to the Lord, and then we lay our head on our pillow and sleep like a baby. A peaceful baby. You see. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus when we keep our eyes upon Jesus. When we turn our eyes to Him, the things of this world grow what? Strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Because there is much in this crazy world that we're living in that we may be tempted to be anxious over. Am I correct in saying that? There are many things out there that's going to tempt us. Many things out there that on the surface looks like they're going to just overwhelm us. One catastrophe after another. One tragedy after another. Financial instability. What, what's going to happen? Yes. Oh my goodness, going crazy. What's that going to do to everything? Well, what, what's going to happen? Sicknesses. You know, this virus, it has died down. It's, you know, I think that herd immunity thing is finally kind of, kind of here. But it, but it's going to, it's going to uh, evolve. That's not the right word. Mutate. It's going to mutate, and and become different, and just like the regular flu, the the the, the regular flu that's been around forever and ever and ever. It, it, every year it mutated. That's why they wanted you to go get another flu shot every year. Every year. And this is this uh, this is going to do the same thing. It's going to be here. Oh, we, we're going to worry about that. Well, there's moral decay. <laughs> is there any doubt about that? A biological male being nominated for Woman of the Year. How do you like that? A biological male who as a male swimmer was ranked 460th or something in the world, but because he identifies now as a female, has elevated to first. Number one in the world. Isn't that great? What's this world coming to? 
all of these things, wars. How's this all going to end? Is it, is it going to keep progressing? Somewhere along the line, are we going to get sucked into this thing? Political lunacy raging everywhere. Corruption, untold personal heartaches. All of these things. And you may be sitting there going, well, preacher, thanks for bringing that all up. But, but you see, I don't have to bring it up because it's always with us. It's all part of what I'm to do is to say stop being brought down by these things, but look at how you are blessed. Great is your reward in heaven. That, that should perhaps the greatest tragedy in our personal life come to us, our life be taken for me, Paul said, to die is gain. Have that always in our mind. That when I leave this world, ever how I'm going to leave, to me as a born-again believer, that is gain. I gain heaven. I gain being in His presence. I gain. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. Them who? Well, plug in your them. Okay? Those things that are causing you to fear. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Hold on to the promises of God. Trust in Him. Let me, let me read a few more. Joshua 1, uh, verse 9. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalms 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or what shall I fear? Is there anything that I should fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's the strength of my life. He is my salvation. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus talking. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be Afraid. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe? Thus saith the Lord. If I have questions, what should I do? What the Scriptures say. Another passage from Isaiah that I read perhaps quite often, but just has an invaluable truth. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. You, and, and, and this is pointing to God, God, you will keep Him, and the Him in this verse, that's me, and that's you. So God 
you will keep me. Put yourself in the verse. I hope you're okay with me doing that from time to time because it brings it personal here. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me do this. Well, let, let me read it first. You, God, will keep him, that's me and you, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he, that's me, trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is the everlasting strength. Now, now just let me paraphrase it. Lord God, I know that you will keep me in perfect peace when I keep my mind stayed fixed on you. I trust you, Lord, for in you, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Child of God, may we always remember that we are blessed beyond measure. Let that always be continually on the back burner speaking to us. Continually. Blessed. Regardless of what happens on this earth. Because ultimately we know know, what does Scripture say? Scripture says this life is but a vapor. It's short. Very short in comparison to eternity. Barb and I have been looking at pictures. I've been trying to upload some old photographs and things uh, to to uh, cloud storage and and we've been kind of running some of those back and and uh, there's pictures in there from before we were married and we we were just dating and and uh, you know, and we look at those and go who is those look at those kids and and then and we and then we see our kids we 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 say see Dusty and Dawn they're, they're little little babies little toddlers and and we got pictures of that stuff and and we look back and. And, and it just seems like yesterday. See, Kenny, I see you, you, you're you're a little bit older than me, but not much. But doesn't it seem that way? Doesn't it seem like it was just yesterday when when our kids were little and, and all these things? It was just yesterday. We just got married yesterday, and it's, we're coming up on fifty years before too long. This life goes by in a hurry. Scripture says it is but a vapor. But this I know in every walk of life and every circumstance that may come our way that He is good and I am blessed. And I am blessed. And so may we remember that. Always remember that we are blessed beyond measure. Let's read one more time Romans 4, verses 6-8 through before we close. Just as David also describes the blessedness or the blessings of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. (laughs) Child of God, think of that. Think of that. Lawless deeds forgiven and whose sins are covered. Covered how? By the blood of Christ. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not cannot, will not, ever, for the born-again believer, impute to us sin. Because for those who are born again, those sins have already been imputed to Christ. They are gone. In In His sight, to be remembered, no more cast as far as the east is from the west, for Him to remember no more. We are blessed. 
So may we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word that that I can just be a, a refreshing to our souls when we take it and we hear it, we read it, and we put it into practice. So Lord, help all of us here today who have heard Your Word put it into practice. Help me, Lord, to put it into practice. To trust You at all times. To not let my mind talk myself into succumbing to temptations, whatever they may be, but rather, Father, help me that I may preach to myself Your Word, that I may... Ask that question, what saith the Scriptures? And always go and find my solace, find my help in You. And Father, as always, should there be anyone who would be in in the listening of this sermon who is yet lost, that they are still without Christ, that Father, just by the truth of Your Word and by the power of Your Spirit, that You would bring conviction upon them that they might know that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. That they might know that if they remain in the condition they're in, that they are doomed to hell. That they might know in coming to that realization that that You are drawing them to Yourself. And Father, grant them faith that they might believe. And Lord, grant them repentance as they fall before You, confessing their sin and their condition before You. And Lord, bring them along. Though after you have, after this justification, this regeneration, then Father, I'll bring them along according to Your will. Bring them along in that process of sanctification. Bring them along as You, as you are making us all more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So Father, have mercy, I pray. So help us as we leave this place to continually say, I am blessed. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.